there. And we'll go live here. And I think we're good to go. I should put lights on, huh? It's kind of dark here. Um, let me put the lights on. now live okay we have the podcast on make sure this camera's on here uh yeah i think that's on and you guys are here hello everyone good afternoon your mom's pool boy wow interesting name good to see you nonetheless hello everyone rnf mari yeah <laughs> bakasai 89 good seeing you good afternoon r35 r13 you're hardcore good seeing you Good morning to you as well, sir. Hi, Sean Lee, neighbor. Good seeing you, sir. Good evening, Adam Good from across the pond. Darkwave, good seeing you. When are we going to see a diesel? I don't know if anytime soon because, you know, OEMs are starting to shy away from a lot of diesel technology. It's a bit dirty. It's a bit dark, isn't it? Should I, I should probably put this light on. I don't know. Anyway. Ah, uh, yes. I was really heavily influenced by this weekend at IBOC. And Duran over there, he's a bad influence, and Kevin is a bad influence. I have all these bad influences. And she is going to be out soon. Dipping Deep is good seeing you as well. Good putting a face to the name. Thank you so much. Good morning, Gareth. Good seeing you. Sam, long time no speak. Good seeing you, sir. AJ, so good to see you and your wonderful fiance. It was great spending time with you guys. Fantastic seeing you here as well. Um, any words? Oh, I'm supposed to check for you, huh? I'm going to go upstairs and check and see after we're done with this. Greaser! Hello, so for this, you know, Greaser Design, he's a good guy, very talented artist, and he's going to draw something up for me soon that I will build. How cool is that? Fox, Ibach was bananas. I'm so embarrassed, and I was telling Durant that earlier on, that um, I didn't have Stitch running. If this car was out there at that event, it would have been absolutely fantastic. Hello, Dan, good seeing you. Hope all is well. Can't wait to see you finish your Mazda, powered by Toyota, and look forward to tuning that. Hello, Sub Moena, good seeing you. Uh, Fit's been great, actually. Long time no see. This fit moves. Good afternoon. Indonesia's in the house. Hello, Denny. Thanks for joining us all across the pond. Honda Pro. <laughs> yes, thank you, Honda Pro. You know what, um, Jason? Honda's been my first love. Always has been. And that will never change. So that being said, um, you'll see many events from time to time. And the insight is going back together. And our friends from Hoonigan are going to cover. They're going to cover the build. They're going to cover us at the track. It's going to be pretty crazy. So... Expect to see some wonderful things from all of us. Hello, Atlanta's in the house. Good seeing you. Um, yeah, that'd be really good. I, I look forward to that as well. Um, is it possible to build an all-wheel drive NA Miata? Yes, it is. Extremely possible. It'll take quite a bit of fabrication, but it can be done. Dion, thank you so much. I know this has been so awesome. This is my 2006 Insight, broke a ton of records. If, those of you who have been to my office can see I have a lot of trophies. A majority of those trophies came from this car. It was the first front-wheel drive to ever hit 150 miles an hour in natural aspirated trim. And above and beyond that was the most protested race car ever in the whole sport compact scene. Imagine that. Being that it was a single cam that ran low nines. Full unibody as well. I still have a stock windshield on that. Thank you, Jason. I look forward to seeing you as well. Yes, by all means. Yeah, Stitch is good. Stitch was the, uh, the, the, the son of Nemo. 
<laughs> which was the CRX we did before, you know? Um, what I think of pure electric motors, I think they're awesome. I think that's the future of technology, and I love the, fa the fact that you can have 100% torque at one RPM, which allows you to have a lot of fun as well, you know? What EF dual core radiator do I recommend? Um, the ones from CSF. They have a very nice one indeed. Um, with today's tech, how much power do you think you could get out of NAF22 compared to back in the day? Uh, I think we do a lot more. Now, you know, what's in, you know what really limited us quite a bit, AJ, when we were running NA? Um, not only did we have weight and displacement limits, we had limitations on what we could run for fuel. Nowadays, and Duran, you can attest to this, um, it's like the Wild Wild West out here in drag racing. It's like no one there's no weight limitations anymore, which I don't get. Um, so there's no equalizers in terms of power. Um, there's no limitation. I've seen people with body mods. There's no limitations to that. I've seen everything from extended front ends to forks or fins right in front of a front end. Um, fuel, people are boasting that they're adding very interesting oxygenates and caloric content fuels or additives to their fuel. There are no fuel tests anymore. Um, so AJ, to answer your question, the sky is the limit. Um, as long as the engine can hold together during a pass, you can do anything nowadays, which wasn't what we had before, you know? Yeah, um, Hedy's asking if you're here, Duran. Yep, he's waving, so Duran's there. Um, hello, Dr. Ahmed, good seeing you, sir. Yeah, nitro, people are adding nitromethane, which is a known carcinogen, by the way, and people don't understand how dangerous that could be as a fuel to your engine as well, and what it can do to the center of your piston, which is pretty crazy. Have you ever done a Mopragan test on any of your vehicles? What would you have done to get the engine in order to maximize economy efficiency? Yes, I have. So if you do a search, let me see what your name is here, Psycho. If you do a search on the Bisamoto Ionic, you will see something we did where we took the factory aerodynamics and pushed the envelope much further, in allowing us to really push through the air very easily. Gearing was a huge friend of ours, so we reduced the numerical final drive value by using much larger circumference tires. And then speaking of tires and wheels, we went super lightweight. I went full carbon fiber wheels to lighten things up. They weren't DOT approved, so I couldn't drive it around the streets, but it was very, very good in seeing how much energy is being absorbed by weight, rotational weight. And then we use a very narrow, high fuel efficiency, low rolling resistance tire system, which is pretty interesting, you know? I know it's the Kevin and uh, it's the Chris and Hedy Heather lifetime shot to this, you know. Um, when am I going to race again? Um, so if it's up to Kevin, I'll be racing tonight. Um, for those of you who may see right there, that's the wagon right there on the lift. So guess what? We've done all the photo shoots for Super Street. It's been to a bunch of events. It's now time to break stuff. It's now time to have some fun on the track. So Automotive KMD was able to give us a, an upgraded rear diff assembly. Um, Kevin came in today and was able to give me more adjustment for my toe, which was really not in a good place. I have an appointment tomorrow with Chewworks to do the alignment on the wagon. And then, weather permitting, because it's been raining recently in Southern California, we are going to go and start testing at Irwindale. One thing I do know, and I'll show with you as my family, is that the gearing in the wagon right now is not optimized for a proper quarter mile or half mile run. Um, the numerical value of my final drive is a 475, which is very, very high numerically. And my shifts are very, very short. So I, I need to reach out. Hey, we need to do that. We need to call Dale and reach out to him and try and um, uh, do something with um, a final drive. Maybe go to a 4.0 or 3.8, which would be very good, you know? 
So yeah, and, and by the way, as I film, as I test, whether I'm breaking stuff or successful, you guys will be along the ride with me. I'll film inside the car. If the truck will let me put a drone up, I have a drone up front that I'd like to have follow us. Um, it's gonna be really interesting. So if we're gonna break stuff, we are, and then we're gonna figure it out and keep going. I'm not gonna stop until that wagon is absolutely bananas and frightening to everyone. Who comes across it? Yeah, I know, Kevin, 3.8 would be ideal. I would love to be able to finish the quarter mile in fourth gear instead of going to fifth, which would be great, you know? Yeah, 3.8 would be better, but it's not what I have in there now. But I'm definitely, yeah, I know, it is, it is really short. So for any application, a 4.7 is perfect, especially since I think my circumference is a 23-inch tire on it now. And then we'll full send it. I'm glad I didn't listen to you, Kevin and Hetty, because um, we would definitely have problems without a proper alignment and with kind of the engagement I had on my toe linkage. Man, thank God we, we fixed that recently. Hello, Mike. Good seeing you. Let's break it. Let's do it. Wagon Mafia, right? We need to do that, Mike. We need to make it happen. And show people that a wagon can be fun, practical, and fast. How about that? Sounds good? Beautiful. Um, do you think the wagon could run 7s with 15s into was part of the ratio? Yeah, it could run 7s in an eighth mile, but not in a quarter. Not with that. It will require some serious upgrades to my fuel system and my gearing to and probably my drivetrain to withstand the current weight which i'll find out what it is tomorrow to make that happen is it possible yes but it will require more investment in chassis to get to that point you know did anything about surprise me in a good way yes dip and deep apart from people racing without tunes <laughs> i'm joking <laughs> um what surprised me was the sheer amount of people who were at that event i was very Pleasantly surprised. It was, rumor had it there were like 10,000 people there. And the fact that it was great camaraderie between the drag race guys, the show guys, it was really, really cool. And the, the, the midway was just absolutely fantastic. Shopify is in the house. Good seeing you, Clinton. Hope all is well. Um, do you race it? Okay, let's see. Do you race it with the four-wheel driving gauge? Yes, Tay93. So what I have from Automotive KMD is this assembly that mimics what you have from factory from a CRV, where when you're driving around, it's in proper two-wheel mode, so it allows you to have great gas mileage and, and, and not much strain on the engine and so on and so forth. But as there is a differential between the front speed and the rear speed wheels, the differential locks up in the rear, and now you have all-wheel drive. So, and I tested, he, you know, Steve, who's from Automotive KMD, had me test this for, um, or break it in for like about 30 miles. So I put, I actually put 60 miles on it. And then on the back straight here, uh, Hedy and I tested it. We matched that. I showed it. Oh my God, this thing is fast. It's really, really fast. It hooks beautifully. It's great. EG8 single cam? Yes, I am. I have tons. And speaking of D-series parts, look what I have here. I even have an intake heat shielding gasket because I get so many questions about cost-effective mods that people can do, especially with the Ds and the Bs and, and definitely the S2000s and the Type Rs and B16s. I even have it for 4 AGE. I have it for the Evos. Um, I think I still have a few for the A-series. Uh, Hondas and even ZC twin cams or D16s and this is a very cost-effective mod which is very easy to do It's just an intake heat shielding gasket um, They typically retail for $59 and this high temperature material which is a, like a space-age phenolic I have this for 25 I'm mean, not 25 but uh, yeah 24 $24 shipped all across the world so this allowed from what I took, uh, saw on the dyno the fact that it alienates the intake heat from the exhaust um, rejection whether it's uh, heat being radiated or heat from the engine bay or underhood temperatures. This does a very good job at alienating that engine heat from the intake, allowing you to have a denser intake charge and a lot more power. 
So that being said, this is a very cost-effective mod, and this intake gasket is very reusable. So you may buy a Felpro, which is pretty cost-effective. You may get it for like $29, $30, $34, and you can only use it once, and it's like a paper-based gasket. This is reusable. So by all means, this is the way to go. So we have plenty on online. Um, I think I said uh, Type R. We have it for the B16. Uh, we have a few for the D-Series. This is for a D16Y8. We have a Z6. We have the A6. We have a ton for the four AGEs and Evos and Subarus and so on and so forth. So it's pretty good, you know? It was good seeing you as well, MJ Photograph, my neighbor, very talented photographer as well. And I was very, very shocked and ashamed that I didn't have this running for that event because it would have been on and cracking. Um, what cam do I recommend for ZZ for 600 horsepower rating? It depends. If you have a larger turbo that where you have to buzz it, um, as in rev the RPMs towards 9,000 or so, then you need a D16 Z6 the BC Motor level 3.6. If you have a much smaller turbocharger, let's say you're hovering in the 50 range, uh, 57, 59, 60 millimeter range for your inducer, you can get that power with the level 2.4. But the 3.6 will get you there much easier. It's a larger performance cam. If idle quality is important to you, yeah, stay with the 2.4. But if you don't mind a rough idle, a slightly rough idle, by all means, the level 3.6 is the way to go. That's why I had on my Wagon Man. And we made north of 700, no problem. And that's what the guys from Speed Factory use in their cars and all the guys running, making, you know, seven, 800 horsepower, that's what they use, you know? Um, 1993 Accord, which transmission is best for performance on NA built H-Series or B-Series on F22A motor? I would say definitely, if you can do H2B, that's the way to go because it allows you to have the torque multiplication that you need for NA performance. It's much lighter than the H22 one. It doesn't have a cable operated system. You can bind a little bit. And above and beyond that, there's ton of aftermarket support, which is the way to go, you know? Yes, Dion Trail says, next year's Eibach that I'll be racing, hint, hint, yes. For those of you on YouTube, you heard it first, I'll be racing. For those of you listening on podcasting, I will be racing that, and possibly even that, at the event next year. I will be there, by all means, you know? Uh, Daron's telling you to get the boxer running. <laughs> I mean, how do you say get the boxer running, Daron? This is pretty crazy. Um, <laughs> he's just ignoring you, Hedy. Um... My pleasure. Thank you as well, Ryder, by all means. And you know what? One thing about, you know, having project cars and so on and so forth, it creates a lot of stress. But, and I'm sure all of you, a lot of you, if not all of you, experience a lot of stress from that time. How do you Secret Service AP? Um, that being said, there's something I really want to mention. I've, I've had a lot of things go on here at the office and through my personal life where it induces a lot of stress. And that being said, you know what I did notice that has helped me tremendously? Being stressed is something that comes from within. How you react to things, how you behave towards things, whether they're difficult or challenging, can allow you to induce or not induce stress upon yourself. So even here, the team was wondering, hey, BC, you're almost one minute late to your Tech Tuesday. You're just waltzing, because I didn't want to stress out about it, because usually I do. Being able to look at things from a positive perspective and not letting things get to you and stress you out can go a long way in reducing stress and allowing you to have a lot of fun, nonetheless, you know? Um, Gabriel's watching our fastest cars and my van. Thank you so much. That's the van right there. You see the top right there? That's it. And we're actually filming something with, I believe, a Donut Garage on Thursday? No, Friday. So I'm going to be taking the van down to LA and we're we'll going to have a lot of fun. It's pretty cool. I love that van. And I'm sorry that I didn't put on a great show for you, Gabriel, with the van not winning that event, but I'm very happy it didn't because if the van won, that wagon wouldn't exist. And I love that wagon. That thing is a Hedy can attest, Kevin can attest, that's the fastest thing in my shop here, is this Waggle Band, which is pretty crazy, you know? 
Trying to figure out if I should stick with water to air after 600 horsepower on my own Sentra. If you can do liquid to air, honestly do it. Liquid to air systems are extremely efficient. Take away the slight complexity of the system with the pumps and external heat exchanger and the reservoir and so on and so forth. I love liquid to air setups. Air to airs are very straightforward and, and fairly efficient, but it's almost impossible without a very good fine design to have a low pressure drop on an air to air system and have temperatures in your intake close to ambient. But you can do that with liquid to air. And if you're really crazy, if you have a separate reservoir, you can go below ambient air temps by putting ice in there. So imagine that, you can have your air inside your engine post turbo hover in the 50s and 60 degrees Fahrenheit, which does a great job in creating reliable power for you. And having a dense mixture with the appropriate amount of fuel can make a lot more power, which is pretty cool, you know. Gabriel said he thinks I should all-wheel drive the family van. I would really love to, but you know what? I want to leave that as is. I kind of want to leave it front-wheel drive. I want to be reminded of the challenges of that. And I kind of want to, even with the fabrication that's in the car, we can take time and make it look really pretty now, but that van had to be built in seven weeks, and there's a lot of things that were rushed and didn't look proper, and I want that reminder. So the van is unique as a front-wheel drive, two-wheel drive setup. I want to leave it as is. It can also be very invasive to be able to convert to all-wheel drive, but the main thing is I want, kind of want to keep its integrity and legacy together. And then have this lighter all-wheel drive setup with modern technology and its sequential gearbox intact as well, which is pretty nice, you know? It is, yeah, Kevin's right. It's way a lot of work. It, it, it's like equivalent to building another car just to convert that to all-wheel drive, you know? Um, anything to help air to air cooling? Yes, you can introduce an external cooling medium. Some people have nozzles around it with nitrous. Some people inject water. There are quite a few things you could do or even design it properly. Hello, Brazil's in the house. Good seeing you. Hello, Victor La. 143, greetings. Good seeing you all, all, you know. Yes, R35 mentioned a medical point that on the fastest car in our episode, the other cars are slick. Say they did. I obey rules, and despite the fact that some people kept sending agents here to make sure that our cars were within rules, I do pay attention. <clears throat> and you know what? Once again, imagine a world that if I followed suit and ran slipped on the van, what if I did well? The Wagyu van wouldn't exist. This Wagyu van exists today as a revenge car for season three for that fastest car event. So I'm very happy. And as I drive the wagon, it's so much fun, and I'm glad I always wanted to have my wagon. My original wagon kept getting approach to be broken into and stolen. So that's why I parted it out. And above and beyond that, the van is something I built to build something more modern that wouldn't be easier to steal and had more power, but she is comfortable with AC and power steering, it's heavy, and doesn't hook up very well from a dig. Now on the freeway, she is frightening. But after that, no, oh no, it's, not, it's, 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 it's on. But the wagon, I need that final drive. I need to fix that final drive. Do I need to fix that final drive really badly? And that way, um, I can have an opportunity to uh, take that to some half mile and embarrass a few exotics, and then have some fun on a quarter mile, not have just you know hover around eight mile tracks, which would be pretty cool. Angel's asking, do I have an all wheel drive dyno? No, right here I'm looking at the two pods. I only have a two wheel drive setup. When I have the occasional all wheel drive Porsche, uh, I tend to disable the uh, drive shafts for those. Um, I've even elevated cars when they allow me to. If there's a car that needs a direct cog between front and rear, like a all-wheel drive uh, NSX, I can't use my dyno. On the wagon, I just disable the uh, drive shaft and then tune it as a front-wheel drive and connect it afterwards, you know? Um, hello, Foxman007. Good seeing you. Hope everything is well. I'm missing so many good questions here, you know? Um, oh, 
So Duran, Dippin' Deep said that his Odyssey beat a Ford Pinto at Fontana, that you saw it. <laughs> Duran's laughing. That must have been an interesting race. Huh. How did Pinto sound? Did it sound pretty aggressive? How did Pinto sound? Did it sound pretty aggressive? I don't know, it wasn't there. Oh, <laughs> Duran said he wasn't there. <laughs> oh my God. Ernie's asking, Ernie to McFly, very cool name. Would I recommend E85 for a slightly higher compression D-series? Yes. I love ethanol. Not to consume myself. I mean, it's fun once in a while, but I love ethanol as a fuel. And the cool thing about ethanol as a fuel is it allows me the opportunity to have higher caloric content for every amount of air burn. So for the amount of air your engine ingests, you can create more heat, make more power with that. It has higher anti-knock properties. It's very cost-effective compared to racing fuels. And it smells pretty good. <laughs> so that being said, yes, by all means, if your fuel system can support it, and it should if it doesn't, by all means, go ahead and do it, you know, which is pretty nice. Foxman said he's still on a job hunt. It's pretty good. How's life things in Cali? California is fantastic. We're having some strange weather recent. And you know what I heard? I heard a very interesting statistic that this year, last year was the first year ever since recorded history that the population of California did actually not increase. So as you're asking about California, it seems that people are leaving the state of California and go to other states just primarily, if I had to guess, due to cost of living issues, you know? Kevin says that E85 smells like burnt corn. It smells like kind of tequila-ish to me. It smells kind of good, I like the smell of that, you know? Yeah, Dion, I agree with you. It is the way to go. Senna GA16DE from Chile. Good seeing you, thank you for joining us this afternoon on another episode of the Beast Mode Tech Tuesday. Really appreciate that, you know? Gabriel says his buddy has a Chevy SS truck two-door with a GMC Pro Charge with methanol. And methanol is even better when it comes to caloric content and how it creates more heat. It has a wonderful low, heat of latent, uh, low latent heat of vaporization, meaning as it's injected into an airstream, it cools down the air and atomizes even finer, further in the process, creating even finer droplets and more heat. The challenge with methanol as a fuel is that it is very corrosive and attacks aluminum like there's no tomorrow. And can devulcanize rubber as well. So what you tend to do is after your uh, race weekend, you definitely want to pickle your system, meaning drain the methanol out and put in regular fuel in it just to keep things nice, you know? Yeah, everyone's leaving to the south. You're absolutely correct. Absolutely. EPA is a challenge here in California too. You can go to Texas and have all the fun you want. You can have an exhaust out the hood, out the front, out the back. No header, anything you want. You can route into the driving compartment. I'm joking, you shouldn't do that. But just saying that in other states, you can have a lot of fun, which is pretty cool. I know, I know. But you know, the Environmental Protection Agency is here, as the name implies, to protect us. So it just, I just feel that the resource board does take it a little bit too far. But you know what? It keeps us in an environment where we're extremely creative here in California. So that being said, yeah, I had to tow the inside to the track. I couldn't just drive it even if the raceway is nearby. Um, I have to do very creative things with projects and so on and so forth. Um, this is it's weird, you know. Stop it, AJ. Shame on you. <laughs> Dippin' D, you say, am I on stick? If you mean uh, manual gearbox on the cars, yes. So manual gearbox on the inside, manual gearbox on the wagon. Um, that Porsche up there is actually an automatic that Duran's working on. Um, the Odyssey was converted from automatic to manual as well, you know. Am I on stock rear training arms on inside? No, Dip and Deep. On the rear, you know, I'm going to do a, 
when we um, finish getting this together, we're going to go to Bill Biology, I'm a, and please do tune in, and I'll make sure I announce it when I'm on, I'm on Hunnigan, but I have a very clever system in the rear where it's still not independent. The factory came with a standard solid axle, but it's a much lighter weight tubular solid axle in the rear, and it utilizes factory mounting points, still like factory, but I did something very clever with my wheelie bar system that allows me to extend my wheelbase upon launch. And it's shocking that people would protest me saying that I'm using my AEM to control my suspension, which I wasn't. I was just using simple physics and more of a very simplified cantilever system to allow my car to hook up nicely and give me very good traction off the line. So, yes, Kevin, um, it may rain this week. I'm going to go and get an alignment tomorrow, but um, next week for sure we need to have some fun. And I'm hoping, I think um, one thing that many of you notice is that I have very soft um, engine mounts on the wagon as well. You guys saw the video that Super Street did. And if you haven't looked at it, go on Super Street's feed and you'll see the video posted. And I think I posted on my feed earlier as well. But you'll see that my engine tends to move when I get in and out. Now, it's not that I have a broken engine mount. I have very soft mounts so that the vibration doesn't get transferred into the cabin with me. So that being said, I um, saw Brian from Hasport this weekend. He's going to send some higher durometer mounts to us. And I'm going to swap out the inserts and put some heavy ones in, and then we should have a lot of fun on the track because I'm going to launch the crap out of this wagon. I'm going to start off with the street tires with R888s and then go to some sticker compounds from, from Toyo a little bit later, which should be pretty nice, you know. Can the inside run next week? It's totally, Kevin, up to our friends from uh, Gonigo. So the blocks, I dropped off two engines. I'm really frugal. And when I say frugal, to help my partners. So I didn't send a new block. I sent my old blocks that were sleeved where I've cleaned them up so many times that my piston to wall clearance is pretty generous. So I sent the two blocks in, um, which I got one for free, and I picked up the other block from uh, a local pick apart for $200. And send that to get resleeved. So once it's resleeved with the pistons, I'll throw some troms in there. I'm a huge advocate of aluminum rods, and then I'll be able to uh, slap the head on, check the head, make sure it's good, send my injectors out to get cleaned, and then put on a dyno and see where we are. And break her in on a dyno, and then take it to the track and send it. As you say, you say send it. I'll send it properly, Kevin. Um, thank you. I can't wait either. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I've done a lot of rolling, flat footing. And uh, it, it, it hauls. But I haven't launched it from a standing start. So that's going to be interesting. Yes, three generic C2. This is my Honda Insight race car, which I love so much. She, she's really awesome. Uh, full unibody and uh, front stock windshield. Has a cool, I don't know if you guys can see that. I'm going to turn around a little bit. You can see it has the uh, parachute right there. It has the mounts for the wheelie bar and so on and so forth. Or, as we say in the Honda World Traction Bar, which is pretty cool. You know, that, that's really nice. Hello, wait, what? Good seeing you. How many miles have I put on the van? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I can put it this way. I think um, when we filmed Top Gear, Rutledge himself put over 3,000 miles just himself. That was in a week. So on the van, I think we have about a little over 20, maybe close to 20, 20,000. I think so. Yes, Dion uh, Treros is asking, and I'm going to stay naturally aspirated on the inside. Um, there was talk uh, with the team and the crew from Turbonex to upgrade this to uh, turbocharging, but I derive a very peculiar pleasure in beating turbo cars with a natural spray setup. So it's going to stay NA4 now. You know. That'd be great. SMS designs and performance would be great seeing you, by all means. You know, In a week, wow. 
I haven't, have I met you, Foxman? I don't think we have. It'd be, it'd be great making your acquaintance. That'd be very nice, actually. So that being said, um, I just want to stay naturally separated. And um, I talked a little bit about starting uh, a division known as Motofuels we talked about before, where I can play around with some exotic fuel formulations for all of you. And maybe I'll test it. I'll test it on this car and see what I can do to play around and extract some good power. And then if I have a compound that I found that's very good, I'll, I'll launch it. Put that chemical engineering degree to, to use again, which is pretty good, you know? Oh, um, <laughs> everyone I bought was in our, how big my charge pipe was. Yes, it's four inches. Four inches of my charge pipe is pretty, pretty big, you know? Uh, thank you so much. You do? Oh, SMS, please talk about, I, I'm curious to know about your Mustang. I love Mustangs, they're pretty cool. I'm curious to hear what it does and what mods you have, you know? Thank you, G2 Delow. Thank you so much for the kind words. Good thing as well. Is it really dark in here? Because if it's dark, I can open this, this crazy gate behind me, you know. Oh, 1750, that's NA, that's pretty freaking fast. That's really nice, that's really nice, you know. That's really, really cool. Hey, slug, good seeing you. Oh, beautiful. Well, 2BV Day Vader, please, by all means. Um, Colin and Lindsay can get you in the books, no problem. What other degrees or studies have you done? Um, I have an Associate of Arts in Pure and Applied Sciences. Um, I also have an Associate uh, in Arts degree in the same curriculum. I have a Chemical Engineering degree and a degree in Engineering Management. So I love science quite a bit, you know. I would definitely, send me a DM, SMS, I want to check it out, by all means. NA Life, absolutely. NA is just, it, it sounds great, it's so gratifying when you do well. Welcome back, RNF. Um, but the challenge is, it's a lot of work. Turbocharging is so much easier. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy to be turbocharged, absolutely fantastic. Hello, Bragg Designs, good seeing you. Uh, Social is BCMOTO, just how you found me here. Just uh, B-I-S-I-M-O-T-O, you're funny. RNF, pool services, you know. Um, BML saying just watched my YouTube video about Purell, very informative. Still had a question. How does Purell 2050 compare to Mobile 550 before the engine is up to temperature? That's a great question. So, fantastic question. Very good indeed. Now, for those of you who may or may not know about the nomenclature when it comes to oils, that first number, W, is like a winter number. It doesn't mean weight, it means winter. That's how the oil pumps when it's cold. So it has a very lower number of viscosity and opposite to what fluids do. Usually with a typical fluid, when you heat it up, it gets thinner. Well, with oils, when you heat up the oil, it gets thicker if it's a multi-viscosity oil. Now, how does that happen? How can you take a fluid that naturally wants to thin out when you heat it up and make it thinner, thicker? Well, what is added to oils, to multi-viscosity oils, are what are known as viscosity modifiers. And these, in a very elegant way, are just glorified polymers. Now, guess what, guys? Guess what breaks down the easiest when a lot of heat is introduced into an engine? The polymers. So, when you have an oil that is a 0W50 or a 5W50, you're taking a very thin oil as a base oil, and you're adding tons of viscosity modifiers to get it to thicken up to a certain weight when it's up to operating temperature. And the more viscosity modifiers you have, guess what? The more ability for it to coke or to burn down. So, I'm a huge advocate of oils that are very close together. Now, if you're, 
in Scandinavia or you're in Greenland or somewhere where it's absolutely snowing, if your engine calls for a 0W40 and you put a 0W50 or 5W50 and you put in a 2050, you'll notice it'll be a little bit harder to crank the car when starting. But once it started, it doesn't matter. So, that being said, based upon my experience and what I prefer, and the fact that I don't like viscosity modifiers, I'm a huge advocate of getting oils that are close together. So, a 20 weight oil when cold is actually not bad at all. And a 50 is a protector that we need based upon what our engine calls for. So, I'm a huge advocate of, even on my Viper, which is right behind the inside right there. I don't know if you guys can see it uh, right there. There you go. Um, the factory calls for a 0W40, but I run pure 10W40 in and I like the fact that it's closer because it doesn't have as many viscosity modifiers. So I hope that helps, you know? Oh, I love the stickers. Yes, Slimeball did a good job. Really, really cool sticker. I love his stickers indeed. It's really cool, you know? Hey, Jay Turnt from San Bernardino, neighbor. We're here in Ontario, California. Good afternoon. I hope everything is well. And thank you for joining us on another cool episode of the Beast Mode Tattoos. And we're already halfway in, plus halfway. It's amazing. I love talking to you guys. You guys are like friends and family to me, and it makes time go by like that. So thank you so much. Top Secret USA, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us today. Um, which of your cars do I drive the most often? I would say the car I drive the most often, and please don't be sad. Um, a 2018? Yeah, 2018 Hyundai Ioniq Hybrid. I drive that the most. From a performance perspective, I would say... It's almost a tie between the Viper and the Blue Porsche from a performance perspective. Um, Living is saying, watching today, but not many questions. Oh, I've been talking nonstop. <laughs> you know, I've been talking nonstop. And then, Dylan, good seeing you, sir. Um, yeah, I already dropped off the new Porsche project at Paint, so I'm starting early with my SEMA projects here. So they went to Paint on Monday last week, which is pretty cool. So that being said, um, I prefer. The quarter mile, because I can have a lot of fun with, eight, with the quarter mile. I can pop my shoe, which is really cool. So much fun doing that. But the eighth mile is great for testing, and you don't put as much weight into your cars when you go eighth mile. So I like both, but quarter mile is really cool. I like quarter mile quite a bit, you know? Thank you, Jay. I wonder which program that was. Please do tell, you know? Um, Boosted All Day said, what are the benefits of ductile iron sleeves in aluminum? Well, it's a great question, Boosted All Day. When you push a lot of power, which means a lot of heat. Um, when you have sleeves that are purely aluminum, the coefficient of expansion of aluminum is much, much higher. So what it means, it tends to move away from the walls of the center quite a bit. You can get flow by, you can have opportunities where you don't have great stability or pistons, especially in higher RPMs. And believe it or not, when you push a lot of power, especially in boost, you can fracture the aluminum much easier. By removing all the material, which we do a lot at, Dr. at uh, Golden Eagle, one of my partners, and they put a ductile iron sleeve, that issue goes away. Above and beyond that, many of the aluminum sleeves are open decks, so that doesn't do very much for stability, but with Dr. Iron, you can have these pillars that buttress around the outside of the cylinder sleeve and allow you for much more integrity and not much vibration as well. So, in a nutshell, for strength and reliability, I'm a huge advocate of impregnating Dr. Iron sleeves into aluminum blocks, you know? Um, Thank you so much, Q52, and I'll be out there very soon again. They did kick me out from Orendale once for my insight being too loud because I'm not muffled, you know, but, you know, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, Mr. Freak is saying, what is the horsepower record on your dyno? Um, it is a record that we cannot see. And why is the record we cannot see? Because my blue 911 
and my Genesis. I think I did a, I think I put a video up on YouTube as well. If my memory serves correctly, I have a video of it where the V6, yeah, Hyundai Genesis shut down my dyno. So once we got, po I think, north of 1,100 horses, it showed a torque, anti-torque red screen, and it shut down the dyno to save it. And the poor blue Porsche did that as well. So that being said, I have learned better. Those two cars have done that. Which of the cars say is the hardest to work on? Ooh. Hey, Doron, which do you think is the hardest car to work on here? I would say from engine building, it'd be anything with M96, but the engine bay, probably the center seat, because it's so hard to get to things. Yes. Yeah, Duran agrees with me. It'd be any center seat mid-engine vehicle, like that 986 up there. So uh, mid-engine cars kind of don't give you much space to have a lot of fun with. It's very challenging. Yep, Genesis gang. All, Kevin says all the Porsches are hard to work on. Any boxer. Yeah, any boxer or Cayman. Anything with a mid-engine, it, it limits us. Was that? Which Civic? Oh, so heady specific uh, boxers to work on. <laughs> oh my God. Garcia says, hello, Bisa. Would it be more a benefit to ceramic coat your exhaust manifold or to heat wrap them? It would be much more efficient for the longevity of your setup to ceramic coat. Not only does it give you the nice longevity and beauty, you can also coat in and out, but one thing about header wrap is when you wrap it, it cools, it keeps the heat in the compost, it keeps the heat in the exhaust system, but it also retains moisture from the atmosphere if you ever clean your engine or get it wet. And that moisture stays soaked in the header wrap. And then when you start up the engine, it goes down, disintegrates the header, it can disintegrate welds. So I'm a huge advocate of not only retaining the beauty of your exhaust system, but also ceramic coating them. And if you need help with that, we can have your unit ceramic coated in beautiful luster silver or black. So we can help you with that as well, you know? Um, is your Civic a VTEC engine? Yes, Oliver. The wagon, Civic wagon, does have a K24Z7 head, which is purely VTEC. Has VTEC on intake, not exhaust, but it does have it. The inside, on the other hand, runs a F22A non-VTEC engine, which has nothing VTEC anywhere near it, you know? 2015 GTI with DCT versus 2017 Genesis Coupe R. Ooh, DCT is pretty awesome. I love DCT gearboxes. VW VAG did a great job in having that together. Um, the R spec has way more power potential, as we've proven. And if you like running your gears, by all means. But man, GCT is badass. And um, if you have the budget to get a a UOR, do it. That'd be the way to go. Um, Ricker says, essentially, Porsche is one of the biggest Porsches out there, man. Awesome to see you chat with fans. Like, thank you so much. I'm here to help, and this is something I wish I had when I was growing up, and it's just my way of giving back to the community. TFT Performante, good afternoon, good seeing you. How much do you charge for power pools? No tuning, just 150. For 150, we can just do uh, three pools for you, where we do document not only your um, uh, fuel ratios, which we can put either in, in the exhaust or in the exhaust system itself, we also, if, you, if it's a car that's OBD, we can record your OBD and show and record and share with you everything your ECU does from an OBD perspective, even in factory format, via the dyno. And last but not least, I do record your intake manifold vacuum and pressure. It does a great job in telling us about the health of your engine and also if your intake manifold is sufficient for your engine as well. So it's not just seeing how much power you put out, 
we provide you a lot of data and also some information on how you can improve your setup as well. Thank you so much, uh, 610. He said, thanks for knowledge. It's very interesting. Thank you so much. Focus all right. Hello, Brolin Crabs. DC5R, good seeing you. Ever thought of a 356 build? Yes, you know what's weird? 356s in the back in the day were like cars that people didn't even want. But uh, Rod Emery's done a good job in making them very popular. And I have. Um, their suspension leaves a lot to be desired. So if it's something where we can upgrade it the same way Rod does, then it would be something I wouldn't mind doing. But the prices of those cars have gone up so much now that I may end up just sticking with classic 911s, which I'm building one right now for SEMA. Yes, reservation is required, DJ. Um, by all means, just call us up here at 888-922-6686, and Lindsay will be more than happy to get you in the calendar. You know? Um, how do I feel about Porsches being fine today for emissions? I haven't seen that at all, Leviticus. If anything, um, I've seen more of my Civic SI clients getting fined, and not one Porsche person I know. Not one at all. So I haven't seen that. Hello, Upchuck. Good seeing you. Thank you so much for the kind words, Club 5500 RPM CMT. I appreciate that indeed. You know, uh, Does it make sense to tune an engine with one camshaft without turbo? So if you're asking about, I need some clarity on your question, Oliver. Are you asking about tuning one camshaft on the dual cam setup, like what you do with the K-series engines that have dual cam and also variable cam timing on intake? Or do you mean running a single cam engine by itself, which is what I have in this insight? Please let me know. Secret Service AP is asking what my next build is. The very next one, which we've started, um, is a Porsche 911. So I have a Porsche 911 build, which I keep talking about. It probably will be the most amazing thing I've ever done. I'm going to have to drop the mic after that. We have that. I have a center seat, which I don't think you can see over there. Um, a gentleman asked me earlier today about the MR2, what the deal is. Because I'm building this Porsche, which should be a very good project for us, I have to slightly delay the MR2. It's still going on, but I have to delay it, you know? Dion is actually my top two memorable or favorite builds. I would say it would be a tie between the Vismoto Blue Porsche with the twin turbos hanging out the rear and the Odyssey. Single cam, single camshaft engine? Oh, there's, yes, this is a perfect example for that. So. I make north of 400 horsepower to the wheel on this. I uh, did that, well, over almost 10 years ago. Jeez. So that being said, there's tons of power potential with a single cam. The only caveat with a single cam is if you want to change your lobe separation, you have to actually grind it into the camshaft, which on twin cams, you can easily adjust the intake and exhaust separately. But once you get that nailed down, once you have that lobe separation optimized, you don't have to touch it. Anything else you're doing is just moving the power band to and fro. Um, do I have any cool hobbies outside of automotive world? I love traveling a lot. Um, I love experiencing wonderful cuisine. So I love, and I work out. So I, I love working out. So those are things I do outside of car stuff, you know? Do you think they feel my, that I may be fighting technology with Silcam? Cube, no. Um, every setup has its limitations. So even though twin cams give us the advantages of, let's say, maybe a lower hood clearance or the ability to individually adjust intake and exhaust cam separately. The one caveat of many twin cam engine designs is that because of that hood clearance requirement, you have valve angles that are not very advantageous to large lifts. So one perfect example is, let's compare the two engines that are near and dear to us, 
in terms of what's right behind me, let's say the F22 versus custom to H22, the cousin, the H22. The H22 is a twin cam engine, out the box has decent intake and exhaust flow, um, and the F22A has decent intake and exhaust flow as well. The F22A is a single cam, so it has one cam in the middle, and has these rocker arms that have to reach pretty far away to then actuate valves, while the Prelude H22 has direct actuation via rocker arms that can, you know, just like what you may see with a B-series, that are very shorter and don't have as much mass and so on and so forth. But the challenge with the H22 is the valve angles aren't very conducive to very high lift numbers. So because of the twin cam, the valves could face each other more and they can contact if you go oversize. And above and beyond that, they don't give the ability to go very high lift without contacting either. While the F22 has a valve angle because the cam is in the middle and the engineers don't want to make the rock arms reach out so far, the valve angle is a lot more conducive for performance, so you can go as high as, dare I say, 600 lift plus and go as much as two to three, even sometimes four millimeter valve oversize and not have any contact. So that being said, from a performance perspective, which one do you think is better? Yep. Why have you not built a VW? Is it because it's a Honda rival? No. The reason why I haven't built a VW um, uh, vehicle is for the same reason that I haven't built anything from, let's say, uh, Subaru or McLaren or Maserati. I don't have a relationship with those OEMs. I am lucky enough to where I have a ton of support from the Porsche Club of America. I have tons of support from American Honda. Uh, recently, we've started to do some things with Mazda, so don't be surprised to see something from us with them. Um, we're starting a budding relationship with Lexus. Um, Hyundai has been a great partner for us. We did some for Ford, and when we have an opportunity to work with a manufacturer, um, they help us tremendously offset costs for R&D. And that being said, when the day comes that we have a relationship with the VW, either the um, overseeing company or VW I get directly, you will see many cool projects from us. Thank you so much, DY. A young hey say a young say all could sing as well. Um, I see a question came here, a very good one, about um, oh. Ever thought of building 356? Yeah, I just talked about that a moment ago. Three generic, you kind of missed it, you know? Uh, 13B mega ported. A 13B peripheral port would be awesome, wouldn't it? Street port is cool, a bridge is great, but peripheral would be the way to go. That's, I just go all out. That's what I do. I love that. I love the sound of those. Those are really cool. 31 Power, good seeing you. Julius Frime, good seeing you as well. Thank you so much, guys. It's so good to see all of you. Oh, Tim Anderson, oh my goodness. Say hi to Tim for me, please. Revenge of the fittest, good seeing you. Hello, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon. And we're talking about a lot of cool stuff. I talked everything about how you shouldn't really stress out about things, don't think things too seriously, and how you consume information and how you react to something happening to you can do stress. So that's one thing that I say that it's not a good thing to do. I talked about eating heat gaskets, they're very cost effective. People drink coffee, that's more than this. People do drinks in one evening more than this. So for $24, and it won't, that sale won't go on forever, you can get a heat and take heat shooting gasket from us. I have a blast, which is pretty nice. Do you have any knowledge on the 935K3? I have tons of knowledge, Alex Cook, about that. I love the 935, the Kremer 935s in particular, whether it's the one, two, or three. And I do know about the one street issue that cost over $800,000 that was driven all across Europe years ago. So, I do. Um, have I raised the King Kong Porsche? No, I have not. How do you feel about the D15B7? I like those. I play around those engines. They have a lot of potential. Boosted wakes that thing up. 
and we have about, I think, about 35 different profiles for camshafts for that engine. Hello, Igor from CA Tuned. Igor is a very talented builder. I love his, he actually inspires me tremendously. He, he builds these gorgeous BMWs with old school look and modern technology and newer components and old chassis and he's just, he puts a lot of creativity into his builds and I really respect him as a builder. He's a great guy, you know? Um, yeah, Y7s are cool, absolutely. Hello, Iham Belarusi09. Oh my God, time is passing. Can you believe that we have spent 50 minutes together? How crazy is that? What is my dream vessel? It's a good question. Here's what my dream vessel would be. We just talked about 935, right? A 935 K3 with all Mission E or Tacon Porsche internals with future comfort. So you look at like, oh my God, this is a badass K3, but it has automotive technology of an electric vehicle with all the power to boot and creature comforts. That'd be awesome. A boosted jet ski. No, not a boosted ski. <laughs> Does upgrading the cam in a single cam like a Z6 or Y8 castle out VTEC? No, Ernie. You can, especially, no one makes more power with single cams than we do. So that being said, when it comes to performance parts, we're the place to go to. So you can have a BCMO level 1, level 1.2, level 2, level 2.3, 2.4, level 3, level 3.6, level X. They all retain VTEC. All of them do. Now, if you're going carbureted, it'd be best for you to lock VTEC out. But if you're injected, yes, it does not. If anything, the VTEC is an advantage. It allows you to eat your kick and have it too. You can have low RPM torque and drivability and high RPM power. It's absolutely fantastic. After 7 Garage asks, are there any more plans for the Civic Wagon? You missed out big time. So, as early as this morning, we upgraded some tow arms in the wagon, which is right there. That's why it's near the lift. I'm taking it to alignment tomorrow. Weather permitting, we'll go testing it uh, on Thursday. I've done all the beauty shots with Super Street. I've done a bunch of events with it. We went to Ayabak this past weekend. Um, it's time to, to have some fun with her on the track. So, Long story short, we're gonna, our plans are to track like crazy, get data, break stuff, and fix it. And keep going, you know? So that being said, it's quite a bit. Where did I learn all my personal knowledge? Two places, Alex Cook. Doing a lot of reading and interacting with gurus in the industry. Reading and interacting with people. That's where I got my knowledge from. Um, a lot of my technology when it comes to engine building for Porsches is just me infusing what I've known from motorsports in the past and putting my own twist to them, you know? Why don't people build turbos for V8s like the Energy F1 Turbo? It's coming. People are actually starting to do that, Dominican cousin. People are doing a lot of V8 stuff. They're starting to see, I mean, if, if you go to even someone as simple as NRE, Nelson Racing Engines, a majority of builds they do nowadays are boosted. It's starting to infiltrate. What started to be very heavy sport compact is now going very heavy domestic. And these guys are going freaking fast, you know? Three Generic says, I love your blue bomber Porsche. It's beautiful and beast. Thank you so much. And if you love the blue one, wait till you see what I'm doing this year. You will freak out. Good night, Club 55 RPM CMT. And that may be my cue to be able to leave very soon. I won't be able to stay much longer. Thank you so much, Dominican cousin. Appreciate the kind words indeed. Yes, Cube, the wagon is coming back. This is a different wagon, but um, nonetheless, it will see much more activity than the last one, you know? Not Aaron West is asking, are your older Porsche still air-cooled? If so, what is the strategy for keeping them nice and cool? That's a great question. So I have a bit of a mixture here. So I'm going to turn the camera, and those of you may be received on YouTube, but I'm going to turn the camera to that right there. You see that right there with the red deck lid? 
That is a 1967-912 that I'm going to put an engine, I'm looking right here. Let me see if I can turn that around and see, show you guys that right there. Right there is an air-cooled ITB engine. So that is going to be an air-cooled chassis. Now, on the flip side, the blue 911 that people see me around quite a bit is a water-cooled power plant. What I'm playing around with this year from a Porsche offering is also going to be water-cooled as well. My slat nose is still air-cooled, and there's one thing that allows me to really keep my engine temperatures down, and it's engine oil. Not all engine oils are created equally, so I do use Purell, which those guys are from aerospace and know their stuff, and I've seen a 20-degree reduction in air temps. So I do that. That's a huge part of doing that. And also, secondly, from a maintenance perspective, I make sure that my air-cooled engine, that my shroud doesn't have any leaks. Some people have fractured shrouds. I've seen them out in the field. I've seen them when customers come here. Some have plates missing. That does a horrible job in allowing air to cool down around the fins, especially around the heads. So a proper shroud that's not leaking and engine oil that's proper, that's what I do. How much experience do you have tuning with distributors? Oh my goodness. You hear that, Someone asked me how much experience I have with tuning cars with distributors. Even more, quite a bit. So I started with that. Um, I do a lot of distributor engines, tons of them. I'm, my first car that I ever raced was distributed. It's only after I start experiencing some spark scatter or pushing my engine limits to higher RPMs or needing more spark energy that I do go to coil on plugs. So I have tons of those, you know? Um, what are my thoughts on the Courage GT? I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, the Courage GT sometimes gets a bad press because of uh, some of the slight mishaps people are seeing here and there, but I think it's absolutely the perfect vintage. Perfect, I mean it, perfect vintage supercar. I love the Courage GTs indeed. CGTs are awesome. What Wes saying, my Genesis Coupe burns oil. Catch can, PVC valves puts a lot of intake. Also, my oil stays black even though I can change it every 3,000 miles, please help. It depends on what the problem is. You need to diagnose the problem and find out what's going on. It could be something as simple as a bad PVC valve, or it could be something more involved. It could be something more involved like uh, poor rings. Um, so that being said, a leak down, having a, 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 having a very, um, I'm sorry, I have some, please make a noise over here. Calm down over there. Having a very reputable mechanic look through your engine and make sure it's not something serious is very important, you know? Oh, Ernie McFly makes a good point, yes. So guys, Purell, Purell on the car right there. The sponsorship ends today. Good point, Ernie McFly. You know what sucks? When Purell does a sponsorship, I don't get any sales for Purell. It really sucks for me. But anyway, my family is more important than what I have to experience. So that being said, if you guys have not registered or signed up with the guys from Purell for their sponsorship, their summer, summer, pre-summer sponsorship, do it now. They are offering sponsorships to all of you. Take advantage of it. It's huge. And if you're using anything that's not Purell, please upgrade. Their oils are pretty badass, pretty good. It's what I use on all my stuff. Amazing shear stability, great power. And for those of you who like to get better gas mileage as well, especially now fuel prices have gone up, I see significant, I see three to four mile per gallon gains on my hybrid. That's how crazy is that, you know? My favorite Porsche engine from a design perspective would be anything Metzger particularly the water-cooled Metzger engines. I would say the 997-1 turbo engines. I like those a lot. From a water-cooled earlier perspective, I'm not, a, I'm not a opposed to the M96, M97s. I like how the heads flow. But my favorite would be 997-1 engines. Those are really cool. It has the 
all the dry sump and technology of the earlier air-cooled but with the four valves per cylinder and efficiencies and quiet nature that you may see from a water-cooled power plant, which is cool. Uh-oh, I have a red mark, red ribbon. Okay, so guys, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, TFT says he likes the games. I saw that as well. Daddy Dude's call for me as well, so I must depart. But guys, have a pleasant afternoon. Thank you for joining me on this Tech Tuesday. If you have any feedback, I'm very curious to that. If you don't, if you want to see this, I'll have this up for another 24 hours here on Instagram. But please do subscribe on some of the podcasting, Spotify, Anchor, and even on YouTube to see this later on. Take care, everyone. All the best to you. Stay tuned and cheers. Bye-bye.